So we see many different states of wretchedness around the world, meaning uh, those of us that are not on a path that we want to be on and that will not lead us to where we want to be. Many, many different uh, variations. We have obviously extremes, for example, people that we see in the nose with mugshots that have done something really, really horrendous. That requires maybe special explanation. Uh, for example, uh, we see that we have infinite pride and infinite self-esteem needs. And when we haven't been individuated and we're simply uh, this open source to so say, kind of a, a pride-seeking, pleasure-seeking machine and somebody steps on our toes or some kind of psychic uh, uh, compensation is demanded, meaning psychological compensation is demanded uh, down, down the road. We see that that frequently results in, in, in horrendous things. For example, goodness forbid, somebody's abused as a child, they haven't formed properly, now they're a serial killer. They The way for them to feel powerful and in control and to get a particular kind of high in pleasure is to go and, and do horrible things to people and demonstrate that they're in control. So there's just some, some extreme cases, uh, probably on the other end of the spectrum, we would also have extreme cases of humanity and, and such. Uh, but uh, most of us are somewhere in the middle and, and uh, we can ask the question, is there uh, something particularly deep to our wretchedness or not? Or is it simply the, the normal state of things and, and potentially, consequently, potentially fixable? So we would say that a way, a broad way to characterize the human experience is that uh, we start off as animals, we start off as any other primate, and yet we have a remarkable something that we call mind. Uh, whether or not there's a, a, a some a, some kind of intelligible, specific thing, like an organ that, that is commensurate to that term, we're not sure, but by that term we mean that which enables us to... Uh, to form concepts that other animals cannot form. For example, we can have, uh, we can be affected by a motive uh, uh, such as that our great 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 grandpa uh, belonged to such and such uh, uh, collective, and that today, hundreds of years later, or however many years that is later, will lead us to. Um, join a, a particular club, right? Maybe our great-great-grandpa was a mobster in, in Italy and now we join the, the Italian-American club. Right? So that's not anything that any animal whatsoever that we're aware of by any stretch of the imagination can can do. Needless to say, squirrels, nobody would suggest that, and chipmunks and little critters and creatures like that, but even the smartest ones, monkeys, bonobos, gorillas, champs, dolphins, there's no dolphin that'll say, you know, my great-great-great-great-grandpa was a, a member of the the um, the Atlantic Ocean uh, corner eight cartel, you know, and now I'm going to also represent it by uh, having the seashell on my nose. It's ridiculous. Well, anyway, animals are smart uh, for, for their needs, but none of them can do anything like that. There's a reason why the animals don't have world banking systems and they don't have civilizations and they're not writing history books and they're not sending uh, themselves to the moon and, and they don't have theoretical physics and philosophy and literature and poetry and art and sculpture and dance is a reason why uh, they don't have dance actually they do bass for example do incredible dances to uh to, to show each other where the, the where the goods are at but uh we're not sure that this is uh done in a conscientious manner but it's not ballet or anything like that so we say that there's a reason for that if uh, and the, the reason we would point to is is what we would call our mind and we would say that there seems to be a qualitative difference uh, between the mind that animals have and the mind that we have. Now, how do we define the terms qualitative and quantitative? We can define them by saying that a quantitative difference is where we are at a particular point of development. 
And if we simply continued down that road, eventually we would get to a, a, a different point that we want to be at, even if only in theory and, and as a matter of thought experiment. So, for example, uh, say somebody starts going to the gym and they be, day one, they're picking up uh, 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 100 pounds off of the ground. Uh, but they do it in, in great form and it's the, the same exercise and the same equipment. So theoretically speaking, if they continue to add weight, one day it's conceivable that they would lift world record weights, 700, 800, 900, maybe 1,000 and over pounds in that exercise. It may never actually happen, but it's conceivable. It's not logically contradictory. On the other hand, somebody, so we would call that a quantitative difference. And there's a quantitative difference between a person that lifts up 100 pounds off of the ground and good enough technique with good enough technique and somebody who lifts it up who lifts up excuse me say a thousand pounds maybe with some equipment um, but uh, maybe not so there's a it's a quantitative difference a qualitative difference would be the difference between going to the gym and and standing on a on a bouncy ball with the pink dumbbells and somebody that deadlifts uh, a thousand pounds meaning no matter how long the person stands on the bouncy ball with the pink dumbbells that person will never ever ever deadlift first of all at all meaning pick up weight off the ground at all never mind a thousand pounds even in our mind as a matter of thought experiment even if we were to say okay what about after a billion years still no what about after two billion years still no what about after it wasn't google a number right google google plex after google plex google plex google plex to the square root of google plex number um, it, 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 still, would, would the person deadlift the, the thousand pounds? No. So we'd say that's a qualitative difference, meaning no matter how much time goes by, no matter how much effort is undergone, that a particular outcome will never ever be reached. So we can ask, is it conceivable that going down the road that animals are on, that they would ever reach our, our degree of mind? And uh, we examine the question, uh, we, we want to give the, the answer of no, because we see that if there's some kind of X factor that really distinguishes and differentiates us, excuse me, and, uh, and animals. And we see that uh, our intelligence can be simulated by the way of the animals. Excuse me. Example, we see uh, uh, there's a very smart bonobo that was taught um, sign language. And it was uh, able to use a vocabulary of, I believe it was a couple of hundred words. And, and to say, you know, maybe I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I want to play. Things like that. But we can ask if that went on for another 10 million years, would that Bonobo ever be able to do, say, theoretical physics and to come up with E equals MC square? No. Right? The, the, the obvious answer appears to be no. We can't imagine that ever, ever that would be worked into something that, that we are able to do. Would that Bonobo ever be able to write no, the classic examples, Hamlet uh, or Shakespeare. Not everybody appreciates Shakespeare, but it said uh, that to be very impressive. So would that the, the Bonobo ever be able to write Shakespeare? It would say no, never, ever, ever. And so there's some kind of what we would call then qualitatively, like the difference between uh, standing on a bouncy ball with pink dumbbells and picking up a thousand pounds off the ground. That's the difference we would say between animal and insect intelligence and the intelligence that we have. It's the, the gap cannot be closed. And we say that all of us have that kind of intelligence, meaning anybody that has the genome of, of the Homo sapiens that has our DNA has that kind of intelligence. Even if the person is about as close to Forrest Gump or worse as, as a person can get, even if the person has severe congenital intellectual disorders that, that a person can barely speak, a person can barely say a single word, and yet still there's some kind of X factor as it would appear. That, that, that again, it makes a, a qualitative difference between the homo sapien intelligence and, and all the other uh, intelligences that, 
that there are, which is not to, to say anything against those other intelligences because they're genius at what they do. A monarch butterfly is a genius at being a monarch butterfly. Let's try to migrate without a GPS the way they do or how the birds migrate or how the bears know how to hibernate and how the... Um, the 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 uh, the caterpillar knows how to turn into a butterfly or a moth, and the wasps that know how to find a fig to borrow into the fig, and then the right fig, and all kinds of it's unbelievable things. Now we see in nature there are obviously everybody's a genius at doing what they do, but still we would say that uh, no amount ever of progress would ever get any insect or animal to even the the first rung of of human intelligence. Homo sapien intelligence. So anyhow, we would say that because of that intelligence, we have to do things differently. If we simply go on in, in the way of the animals, it, it, just being worried about food and, and, and water and other needs like that, then we are. there's going to be some kind of problem. <laughs> there's going to be some kind of issue, whatever we want to call it. But it, things are not going to go all smoothly. Now, if we live a very short amount of time and we're con- entirely consumed by these survival needs, we might be able to get by with with that minimal, perhaps, or, or with a degree of, of wretchedness that isn't that too extreme. For example, we live in a, in a very developing country uh, where the average age, maybe people survive till age 25, 30, 35, and, and our whole life is consumed as a constant struggle for uh, for food, for, for, for water. And things like that. Okay, we can, we, st- but even then, even then we see an unbelievable degree of complexity, even in indigenous tribes that have nothing else on their mind or no other options other than just their survival. And yet we see obviously a great degree of culture, a great degree of superstition, a great degree of all kinds of things. So we see there's still that, that X factor that we have that, that's coming into play, but we'll grant that uh, it, it's possible to limit our wretchedness to some extent when, when in particular situations like that. But as soon as things get a little bit more complicated and we have to live with each other and work with each other and move around with each other and we have to and we acquire many different ideas and many different systems of thought, then most certainly we cannot simply avoid our wretchedness just by going on and trying to be like an animal and trying to do basic things. And inevitably we will then uh, uh, begin to suffer uh, uh, very much so. We see this a universal thing. It's nothing new. It's not that just because of, of the latest factor, because of the internet or because of, you know, social media or whatever happened yesterday. It's a perennial thing. And we see uh, a way perhaps to, to think about it, which is that we have this, this qualitative, what we've called uh, um, separation in intelligence and the capacity to understand from other animals. And uh, we have to do something with that. We have to direct it properly. Otherwise, we, we're... We, uh, uh, we're no good. And the animals, they don't have that. So consequently, it's all instinct. It's all unconsciousness. And, and they, they do what they do. But we do. So anyhow, we would say, what is then, uh, putting aside maybe the extremes, what is the default kind of path that leads us to that state of wretchedness? We would say that a factor here is that we let our animality lead the way and our remarkable capacities of thought follow and simply serve to to uh, justify ourselves to ourselves. Meaning, we get corrupted by our lower natures, and our higher natures uh, get uh, again become slaves to our lower natures. Where really, if we want to unwretchify to so say ourselves, we want to be successful as human beings. Our higher nature has to lead the way of our lower nature. Meaning, first we have to think about what is good and what is true and what is right, and then we have to do. But usually, uh, almost universally, it's the other way around. And, and for a good reason. Why? Because our lower natures are constantly bribing us. And they have tremendous uh, 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 
assets uh, on their side. For example, the capacity to feel pleasure and the capacity to feel pain, uh, emotional and physical, both ways. And and we see that um, it takes a certain degree already of toughness, a certain degree of resolve to resist even any kind of pain and discomfort. Meaning we see very many people that the slightest little degree of any kind of discomfort whatsoever, whether physical or emotional, they flee from right away. For example, it's a little bit that they're doing the exercise with the pink dumbbells on the bouncy ball because the trainer said so. And now it's the, it, because it started to burn just a tiny little bit. So right away they quit. Right away they stop. They said uh, there's a, you know, some kind of issue. Maybe they messed up. Somebody says the significant other, the boss, the coworker, you know, I want to talk to you. Think you messed up. Oh, no, no, no. I can't. No, no way that I messed up. We can't hear it. So we say that we're very soft and very frequently in our initial state. So consequently, obviously, when the, uh, what's in question is a tremendous degree of, of physical and, and emotional pain and pleasure uh, where, <laughs> where it's a lost cause. So then we, we follow basically uh, the, the bone. We follow the, the bribe and in our higher uh, mind it serves to simply uh, retroactively justify what we did to ourselves and justify ourselves to ourselves. And we see this forming early in children, meaning children want to do what they want to do. And later they want to give an excuse. I didn't do my homework because I didn't have time. I didn't do my homework because the teacher was mean. I'm not going to work hard in sports or in school because of such and such. So we see this starts very early and obviously most of our parents are precisely that way because their parents are precisely that way and so forth and so on. And consequently, uh, we grow up and we're entirely uh, enslaved to our lower impulses and inclinations, the abilities that we do have, the higher capacities that we do have, great or small, uh, are simply in subservience to them. Now, recall that this can take very complicated forms. It's not simply somebody that you know, is addicted to a substance and then says, no, I'm not addicted. It's all good. That, that, that's fine. But there's more complicated things. For example, we can see extremely complicated lives uh, on very high levels where a person is able to write books or a person is able to to uh, be in, in the highest uh, stratospheres of the arts and sciences and the po politics and the finances and all kinds of things. Very, very complicated things, but still the person is being led on by their lower urges. Now we see um, that by their lower nature, should we say, there's uh, and, and urges. They see famous examples sometimes of high profile people busted for uh, sick things. So that's what's going on there. A person is able to do an unbelievably complicated thing to run a, a financial empire to to, uh, to, to run for office, to write again, to be a big scientist, be a big scholar, be a big philosopher, all kinds of things. And at the whole time, the person is simply following along like a, like a, a little creature following the, the trail of, of snacks. The person is following along, their, uh, uh, they're following their lower inclinations uh, to, to gratify the, 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 our, our base nature. So we say that um, when a, when a little kid does it, it can be cute. It's not cute at all. It should be really put down right away, but it can be tolerable. It's not so bad, but when we grow up like this, we see that we're simply uh, a selfish, contract, contracted, excuse me, um, a narrow uh, uh, creature and uh, and whose whole life consists out of, uh, again, that selfishness and, and that fulfillment of that lower nature and any capacities, again, that we have of raising or that we have of speech, we're simply using to say that it's all good uh, and that uh, don't worry about me. Uh, you know, you're bad for for uh, for saying that I'm bad and, and that kind of stuff. So we see that, excuse me, that is very, very uh, 
universal cause of uh, of wretchedness that is not as deep as it might seem because from there so many pathologies form every time we obviously we discount the truth and we step away from from uh, the strictest standards of honesty we suffer and we have all kinds of complications psychological complications and all kinds of pathologies that ultimately all excuse me relate back to the fact that we stepped away from truth and subservience uh, under the bribes of our lower nature uh, and uh, but it may seem very very complicated. Wow, you know this this it's so deep, like the special circumstance. But really, in the vast majority of cases, there's no special circumstance. It's simply that a person is uh, a, a slave to their to their lower nature. They have convoluted reality. They have used that unique gift that separates us from animals in in the in, in base ways to flip at things around, to bend things as needed, to facilitate the the fulfillment of gratif- uh, of of impulses. Uh, and urges and psychological, physical, uh, physiological, whatnot, and uh, and that's that. And then and a person lives in an ever contracting fantasy land uh, of uh, of their perceived uh, desires and interests. So we see that's the 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 wretchedness. It's nothing too deep. And further, when we think that it's something deeper than that, and we make a narrative out of it, and we say, you know, the reason that I'm wretched, excuse me, is because of um, is because of uh. The way the special circumstance of my mother, my father, my family, my peers, my society, it's because of this really special, there's really nothing at all special like that. This is our natural default state when billions and billions of us are in precisely that state. Those of us that move away again from those very elementary forms of life that might be found in certain circumstances. And uh, and that's that. And it's our job to get out. And, and how we do that, broadly speaking, at least as it concerns these topics, is as we begin to lead with our higher mind, we take that which distinguishes us from all other life, all other animals and insects, and we have it lead the way. First, we think what is true. First, we think what is right. First, we think what is good, what is higher. And then we do it. We don't first do something and then think. But that's very hard and that's perfectly fine if we can't do that off the first try or the second try or the hundred try. So what we do is we simply acknowledge that that would be a good thing to ourselves, and then we fess up right away when we mess up. We mess up. Okay, we messed up. So we say that wasn't right. I'm not going to justify myself. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have behaved that way. I shouldn't have had that emotional reaction. Now, what I think wrong? What's the truth? Here's the truth. Now let me try to live up to it. Okay, I messed up. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. So we do it like that. We use that which separates us from the rest of life to correct ourselves, to unwretchify, unscrew ourselves, to so say, pardon the language, it's not good language, but we use that which separates us to do that, to facilitate our own uh, higher destiny uh, and our own highest good. And we see that if we try to use something else and we try to use some trick, or we try to uh, do some kind of cop-out, it's not going to work because that's not what separates us from the other animals. What separates us from them is not that, that some uh, ability to, to do something strange or do something, you know, who knows what. It's it's specifically that. It's our mind. It's our, it's our uh, uh, rational capacities. But not for pedantic purposes, not for uh, to be able to, to uh, just say different terms, but for that to attain our own High is good by leading uh, uh, the lower with the higher. So we can think about it. Thank you for listening.